My bully got his dad to take the life of my dog. So my dad had to teach him a lesson. Here's what happened. Subscribe to Am I the Jerk on YouTube and hit the bell to turn on notifications. This happened in 1995 in a small rural town in Chaco Province, Argentina. Everyone knows each other here until this very day. My father was an electrician, the only one in town. So he was constantly meeting people as he was born and raised here. He was very well known by everyone. He grew up with many of the police officers from back then and even had asados together, Argentinian barbecue, at least three times a month for years. My father was a non-violent man. This was the only time I ever saw him do something like this. The other man with his busy son were not from town. They had moved here a year or so prior. They were from Buenos Aires. I don't really know the guy, only his kid was an absolute jerk to almost every kid in the block and he constantly picked on me and my brother since we were the youngest of our neighborhood. Therefore, we couldn't defend ourselves. Bucky wasn't trained since we knew nothing about training, but he was loyal and playful with every kid. One thing for sure, he was protective. One afternoon we were playing in the park and out came Bully Kid, who at first threw rocks at us, then got closer and started calling us names, and we got a little scared. He was bigger than us. We tried to leave, but he blocked us, and he started swinging on my brother. I tried to stop him, but he did the same to me. Bucky heard us crying and came running, jumping and getting the bully's arm at once. He bit, shook, and released, staying between us and the bully, barking like mad until the kid left running. We saw him get inside his house and a few seconds later, out came his father with a sledgehammer. Bucky stood in front of us, hairs raised, barking, but the man didn't stop. He got close, raised the sledgehammer and brought it straight down. He didn't do it once, he did it five times. The first blow I'll never forget, the sound of steel connecting with the skull, the painful whimper of our dog. Bucky got knocked with the first blow. By the fifth and final, his head was caved in. My brother and I were frozen in place, scared to death, crying a lot. This dad said something that I don't remember now and left. We were unable to move for a moment. Such was our fear. Finally, I grabbed my brother and went home. Dad was fixing a fan and when he saw us, he asked us what happened. We told him what happened and he just said, right, okay, let's wash your faces and grab some ice cream. Yes, that's what our dad did. He took us for ice cream. He did a pretty good job of masking his emotions and seeming cheerful to us. That night, when my brother was asleep and I was playing in the kitchen, he grabbed the wrench, told mom he had to fix something at the neighbor's house. I assumed it was another neighbor since it was a common thing for my dad to get asked by neighbors to fix things. Nodded to mom. Mom nodded back. Yes, she knew. And then he left. He came back a few minutes later, told me to go to bed, and that was it. A decade later, we came to know what happened. He went to the guy's house, knocked on the door, struck him so hard it rocked his head back, told him he would break one limb for each of his children whom he made cry. I can only imagine what he would have done if we were more than two kids. Proceeded to beat the guy up in front of his family and then took the wrench and broke his legs. He then left the house, went home, asked me to go to bed, talked to my mom and went straight to the police. Turned himself in and was actually delayed until the police went and checked with the other guy. My dad also showed our dead dog to them and the police found the sledgehammer in the bully's house still with the blood on it and they let my father go. They also spoke with the dude when he got better and suggested that he leave town since if they weren't like before, they would never be like now. To this, you got to understand the mindset from someone that lives in a small rural town. We looked at outsiders with mistrust back then and it took a while for people to get used to you if you were new in town. However, these people came and weren't very much liked, apparently because of the kid and the father was also a jerk. I do not condone the actions of my father nor am I justifying in any way the events that transpired them, but as a father myself, 
myself, I can totally understand to what extent a man can react when their kids are at play. I loved my dad and I have mad respect for him. Rest in peace, dad. We miss you greatly. So there, that's the full story. Am I the jerk? This was beyond awful. I can't even imagine something like that happening to a dog that I cared about right in front of me. How could you ever get that image out of your mind ever? And then of course, they left the body of the dog there. So the two kids, the OP and his brother, were left there with the dog. I'm really surprised that the dad had the composure to not act in the moment, but instead took them to have ice cream and then plotted his revenge for that night. His actions seemed like they were impulsive actions, but his timing was not impulsive at all. It was calculated. He waited until the day was over to carry out his plan, even taking them to ice cream to, I guess, calm them down or help them heal through this really traumatic experience. So the question is, is the wrench revenge going way too far or do you think it was justified here? Let me know down below and jerk or not a jerk and why. My wife separated from me and the guy that she got with was a hacker. He tried hacking me. So I decided to get the FBI involved and ruin both of their lives. Here's what happened. These events took place over several years. I'm going to begin with the main players. Me, my ex-wife Pepper, which is revenge target number one. Her boyfriend Steve, revenge target number two. My boyfriend's ex-wife Maria, my co-partner in the revenge. My daughter Sarah and my friend Jason, accomplice in the revenge. With that, let's get some backstory out of the way. So Pepper and I had a very up and down marriage. It was one of those that I was madly in love with her, but looking back, I think she was in it more for the money and convenience. She had one son we'll call Addict because he was and still is a major addict. Before we got married, I also had one son that I had full custody of. While I married, we had Sarah. I toughed the marriage out for as long as I could, but eventually we just couldn't keep it together. We separated and due to traveling some for work and having custody of my son, I moved back to my hometown a few states away so my parents could help, but I kept an apartment in the town that Pepper and Sarah lived in so that I could still spend as much time with my daughter as I could. At this time, I asked my best friend Jason, who is a lawyer and owns his own firm, to do up a child support agreement for us. It is very important to know that we only address child support. It had nothing about custody or visitation or anything else in it. So for about a year, this is how it would work. I would spend a month with Sarah while my parents watched my other son. Then I would spend a month with my son. Almost exactly a year later, I could no longer afford to keep two households and Pepper was wanting to move back to her hometown, which was in a different state, but closer to where I lived. So I gave up the apartment and she moved. The new situation continued for a couple more years. Pepper and I remained friendly and even tried to reconcile the relationship a couple of times, but it wouldn't work out. I was still deeply in love with her, but we couldn't come to an agreement on things like where to live and such. I forced myself to try and move on and started dating. She had been dating basically from the day I moved out. Even though I still loved her, our relationship moved more into good friends than husband and wife. So she finally meets Steve. I never was told much about Steve other than he was a certified ethical hacker and that is what he did for employment. This is important later. While they were dating, she would send me texts about their dates. She even texted me the day that they first did the deed together. This hurt deeply and looking back, I think this is what she wanted, but I tried to play the part of a good friend and confidant. Steve and Pepper had been dating for six months when out of the blue, she tells me they broke up and she realized that she is madly in love with me. Since it's at the beginning of summer, she packs up some suitcases and heads to my state. They were going to spend the summer with me and see if they liked it or not. We had an amazing summer. All the kids are getting along. Addict even loved it there. So she makes it official. We are back together and they are moving in. We went and registered my daughter for school and we were even able to get her on a peewee cheerleading team for the summer. She made several friends and was loving being 
living here. There was only one problem. Pepper still had an apartment that had all of her furniture and stuff in it. I offered to go with my truck and help load everything, but she insisted that her and addict get it done. So off they go to pack up and then head to their new home. As you can guess, things didn't go as planned. She was home for about three days when she informs me that under no circumstances will she move and that her and Steve are in love and they are moving in with each other. To say that I was destroyed was an understatement. I couldn't understand why she had done it. The worst part was that she left it to me to tell Sarah the bad news. When I told her, the devastated look on her face started turning my feelings of hurt into feelings of anger. Then Sarah broke down and started begging to stay with me and started spilling the beans. She told me things about how her mom would leave with Steve for days and leave Addict in charge. She had to learn to cook for herself at 8 because Addict would spend the money on his illegal substances and be lit the whole time. If Addict wasn't left in charge, Pepper would use her multiple convicted felon niece to watch her. She also told me about the first time she had met Steve. He came over to their house, basically said hello, and him and her mom disappeared into the bedroom and started to do the deed very loudly. Sarah was outside the door bawling and they just ignored and continued. This is how my 8-year-old learned about doing the deed and she is still in counseling trying to recover 7 years later. At this point, my anger had turned to rage. I immediately notified Pepper that there was no way Sarah was coming back and I would fight her to the death to keep her out of that situation. Pepper responded by getting an emergency hearing in her state to force Sarah back. I had to scramble but I managed to get a lawyer and easily won the hearing which Pepper showed up late for and told the judge it was due to a disability. The judge agreed that since there was no custody agreement and with the troubling accusations that I gathered, it was best now for Sarah to stay with me. I had won the first battle but it was short lived. Within an hour of the hearing I started getting tons of phishing emails and texts. I was also getting password resets and MFA codes from my bank, Facebook, Reddit and many other accounts. I knew that Steve was behind it. The very next day Jason calls. His law firm's website, email and phone account had been hacked. Because he had to disclose the hack to the court and because he was working on a semi high profile case at the time, the FBI got involved. To say I was enraged was an understatement. These two people had destroyed me, harmed my daughter and tarnished the reputation of my lifelong friend. It was time for them to pay and pay dearly. I was a man on a mission. I spent hours digging up as much dirt as I could on Steven and Pepper. I had a lot of luck with Pepper. I found social media posts of her out late drinking that correlated to tardiness and missed days at school for Sarah. I found tons of pictures of her and two strange kids doing fun activities. I found neighbors that were willing to testify that Sarah had come to beg for food because she was left with either addict or the felon. I knew I could bury her. Steve, on the other hand, had all of his accounts locked down. I couldn't find any dirt and it was driving me crazy. Then it hit me to try LinkedIn. It paid off. There wasn't much posted, but through his account I found Maria, his ex-wife's account. I reached out to her and she happily accepted. Maria and I became fast friends. She hated Pepper for good reason as they had both abandoned her kids like my daughter was and didn't want her around her kids. I learned so much. To keep it short, Maria and Steve had recently divorced. As a part of the custody agreement, Steve got the house, the car, the bank account, the savings account, and a lower than usual child support. Maria had traded all of that money to have control of the kids. She knew he was a scumbag and all she was concerned with was keeping her kids safe. They had a very detailed custody agreement with rules for Steve to follow. As a part of that agreement, if Steve broke any rules, then he had to pay and pay dearly. He had to sell the house and give her half of everything. His child support would also double and Steve would be financially 
potentially ruined. Steve also didn't have her blocked on social media and would regularly send texts bragging about how great his life was without her. Many of those texts had pictures of Pepper in them. We compared notes, we swapped evidence, and we came up with a plan. And now it's time for revenge. First, I got with Jason. He let the FBI investigator know that I had also had some hacking attempts and we believed it was the same person. The investigator called quick. I gave him all the information I had and who I believed was doing it. And he asked a weird question. Do I know where Steve worked? Well, yes, I did, thanks to Maria. So apparently, Steve wasn't as good of a hacker as he thought himself to be. They had already traced back the hack on Jason to a business, the very same business that Steve worked for. As soon as my conversation with the FBI was done, I called his work to lodge a complaint. I told the manager that someone was trying to hack me and I was sure that it was Steve. They, of course, did not take it seriously because I had no proof. What they didn't know was that they were soon going to be getting a visit from a special agent. The next week was absolute hell for Steve and Pepper. Pepper got served with the divorce papers and her lawyer got served with all the evidence I had gathered. My lawyer said it was the most complete investigation he had ever seen. I had all 40 tardies and 19 absences tied to nights out drinking with Steve. I had hard proof of them abandoning my daughter for days at a time. Maria even gave me a picture that was taken at 2 a.m. the night before the emergency hearing with Steve and Pepper drinking in a tattoo parlor. The same hearing that she was laid to and said that it was due to a disability. Steve got served that he had violated the entire custody agreement. Maria had pictures from me proving that he was with Pepper on nights when the kids were with him and that they were left alone. She also had proof that there was contact with Pepper that violated the custody agreement. The fallout was awesome to watch. Steve was fired. Between my complaints, another older complaint of him hacking and the FBI showing up, they had no choice but to fire him. He did avoid any legal issues as the FBI never tied it to him directly, but the word spread of why he was fired and no one would hire him in an IT job again. He had to sell the house, liquidate all the investments and bank accounts, and give half to Maria. His child support, on the other hand, stayed the same since he no longer had a source of income. Last I heard, he was working at a grocery store, so his total income went from $200,000 a year to less than $40,000 a year. As for Pepper, the divorce was swift and painful for her. The judge ruled in my favor for all accounts. I got sole custody and sole decision making. She was forced to go to counseling and her and addict can only visit Sarah with a third party supervisor paid for by Pepper. Sarah is doing much better. She still needs counseling, but she thrives in school and has many friends. She very rarely sees her mom, but she is much better off without her. So am I the jerk? It's a dangerous thing to get a scorned ex-husband and a scorned ex-wife together when they're both working towards the same goal against the people that they used to be married to. Individually, they each had a good amount of evidence to go down the path of trying to ruin their ex, but when they were combined, they had everything they needed. As the lawyer said, this was the most complete investigation he had ever seen. Just the fact that he put two and two together and connected all the tardiness and the absences with nights that she had been out is a lot further beyond what most people would ever end up doing because of how time consuming it would be to put something like that together. I mean, honestly, I'm surprised that the OP here took Pepper back when she had already separated from him and gotten with Steve. I mean, he does say originally that he was madly in love with her and he was playing this sort of best friend role where she was telling him when she hooked up with Steve for the first time. And then after she did all that, she said she was in love with him, the OP. And he accepted only to have her change her mind after that summer was over. And this whole thing about Steve being an ethical hacker, I have a feeling she's the one who asked Steve to do this hacking against the OP and the OP's friend, which ultimately cost him his job and led to the violation of the entire 
agreement he had with Maria, his ex-wife. But what makes Pepper think that if Steve's willing to do that against the OP, that he wouldn't use it against Pepper at one point in the future? Especially if she decides once again she's madly in love with someone else. I know a lot of people were saying that this revenge went way too far. The guy went from having a $200,000 a year job to working in a grocery store for less than $40,000. And he had to liquidate all his assets and then everything that happened to Pepper as well. But do you think it was too far or do you think this was justified? Let me know down below and jerk or not a jerk and why. I ruined a marriage and my family for revenge. I've always been the black sheep of the family. Cousins grew up to be doctors, professors, creatives, whatever else. Meanwhile, I've just managed to make a humble, stable, passive income through some business decisions. Nothing fancy, but I can afford a one bedroom in New York City and live comfortably with that and a part-time job in a cafe. Everyone in the family, including my own parents, judge me harshly for not pushing myself to do what my cousins do, especially my one cousin that we'll call Randy. Think the stereotypical dude bro who got rich thanks to working for his dad. Multiply that by 10 and then you get Randy. Anyway, he always give me the most crap and eventually I just tune them out because I get to enjoy my life with my significant other, work part time and still afford what I want. So to cut the nonsense short, Randy had a wife and two kids. He also had a mistress. I found this out because one day I was walking through the city when I saw him walking down the street with a woman who clearly was not his wife. Arms around each other. I checked Facebook and saw he had indeed posted about visiting a bagel shop in the city while on a business trip that morning. So we head into the city. I decide, why not? Let me see how this plays out. I followed them for five hours, snapped several photos, one of them going into a hotel together. I held on to these and waited until Christmas that year, about six months later. I decided to unceremoniously drop printed photos in front of everyone at the table before dinner and made sure to get his wife to see them. Cue screaming and fighting. I actually got a black eye out of it. It was Randy's dad who did it, though not him. Cue police. A lot of questioning. My significant another and I get kicked out. We head back home after talking to the cops one last time. The aftermath. Besides Randy's wife and another cousin who hates Randy, my family cut me off entirely for several years. Whatever. Even my parents had always expressed disappointment in me for not applying myself fully, so no real loss there. Randy got divorced. He lost full custody of the kids after threatening his ex. The family occasionally tries to guilt me into apologizing, but my response is some variation of, I'm not going to apologize for outing a cheating jerk, and I'm promptly blocked for another few months. Significant other and Randy's ex-wife are good friends, and the kids call me uncle. Nice having a family who actually loves me unconditionally for once. Significant other and I got married, and that's when my family last tried to get in contact with me, and we were actually nice for once. Seeing me move on, I guess, eat to them. I don't know. Maybe realizing their punching bag is gone for good. That's it, really. Living my best life with a good family as opposed to a terrible one. A bunch of y'all seem to think that being abused is not traumatic or bad, as several comments seem to be saying, wow, you're a bad person for having a negative reaction to this and not handling it like a golden human being. So I'll clarify, the comments about my wasted potential weren't just, oh, your cousin's a doctor, what about you? They were, I can't believe Randy just sealed the deal for X amount of dollars. Are you still working at that crappy cafe? Are you still seeing, what's her name, the girl with the pudgy stomach? Aren't you ever going to do anything with your life? I'd feel so worthless living like that. Those are some of the nicer ones. The worst ones include being told that it's better that I didn't try as I wouldn't amount to anything and other such things along those lines as I really don't care to remember the more toxic lines. I'm not interested in judgment. Go post threads if you want to say your piece about that, but don't tell me I wasn't a victim and wasn't treated horribly by my own family just because I didn't spell out the nitty gritty details. So am I the jerk? In the aftermath, when the OP says that his significant 
significant other and Randy's ex-wife are good friends and the kids call him uncle, I can see why Randy's ex-wife would think that they are good friends since she really dodged a bullet by knowing about this cheating. Instead of spending who knows how many years in the dark thinking that their marriage was totally okay but Randy was just lying to her and keeping up this life with the other mistress. And it sounds like the OP's family really got to him over time. They were saying really cruel things to try and put him down throughout years and years and whether or not he really cared about Randy's wife or ex-wife, it sounds like he would have done this either way because he wanted to get back at his family as a whole. So let me know how you see this. Do you think this revenge was justified and jerk or not a jerk and why? When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications. To finish listening to all the stories in this series, use the playlist at the top of the description. And next time you live stream, use the cream of the crop music. Search for cream of the stream on Spotify or whatever music platform you use for copyright free music to use for your stream. It's free cream of the stream. Either way, thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you guys next time.